Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. How many love you some Jesus today? Amen. If you are a visitor, welcome. If you're regular, it's always good to have you. We call us the family, so welcome to the family. Um, how many of you guys made some New Year's resolutions and already broke them? Come on. Don't you lie. All right, good, good. So here's why we're not talking about resolutions today, okay? Because resolutions to me are things that we make and we break, right? Eventually, like we make them and we break them. Here's why we're talking about fasting. Because when we fast for the presence of God, the presence of God never breaks, amen? Like he's, he's constant. Resolutions come and go. God's presence is constant. And so today we felt really, really stirred in our hearts that we want to kick off this new year recalibrating our hearts, making sure that we recalibrate our hearts to where our focus is on the right thing in this new season. And so um, I just want you to know as we talk about prayer and fasting, and we're going to go through all of this, I want to challenge you because I know that for some of you, you're going to hear this word fasting, and it's either a foreign term to you or you just simply don't want to do it, right? I wanna challenge you to take some steps of faith. I wanna challenge you to get out of your comfort zone. I wanna challenge you to search the scriptures because you'll find fasting all through the scriptures. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever prayed for something, like anticipated that it was go- you, was go- you were gonna get it, that it was gonna come, and you didn't get it in the timing that you thought it was gonna come? Anybody ever pray? Yeah, okay, lots of us in this room. This happened to me over this holiday season, all right? Um, I, I love to hunt and I've always had hunting dogs all of my life. And about six months ago, our, our hunting dog, we had to put him down because he got sick and he just couldn't recover. And so for, for the last six months, I've kind of been in this like lull of going, man, I miss my hunting dog. And so um, I went to Christy and I said, hey, babe, do you think that it's time for us to get another hunting dog? And she said, we will never get another hunting dog. And I'll tell you why. They're a little high strung, all right? If you've got one in the house, they can be a little high strung. And so I said, so you don't want to get a dog? She goes, no, I do want to get a dog. I want to get a wiener dog. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I said, unless they make labra weenies or golden weenies that hunt, we are not getting a wiener dog. And so we were like at this standstill. She wanted a wiener dog. I wanted a hunting dog, and, and I was like, man, neither one of us was budging. I'm like, babe, I'm not getting a wiener dog, right? And she's like, I found one at the, the Humane Society. His name is Carl. My dad's name is Carl. It's meant to be, right? I'm like, don't you Jesus juke me, right? She wants a wiener dog. So here we are. We're just like locked in. And so, so I was like, Lord, you're going to have to change this woman's heart, Right? <laughs> I didn't tell her that. I, I said it in my own heart, right? I'm smart. So, so, so we, I was like, and so when after I said, Lord, you're going to have to change your heart, I was like, but I'm going to help you change your heart, Lord, right? And so Dalton Autry had some English pointer pups, and, and he had sent a picture to me. And I said, here's what I need you to do, Dalton. It was like December the 15th. I said, here's what I need you to do. I need you to knock on my door at Saturday, like 3 o'clock, and I just want you to be holding the puppies, all right? I'm going to pretend like I don't even know you, all right? And I just want you to be like, hey, I just thought you might want to play with some puppies or whatever, right? So, so he comes over on Saturday, knocks on the door, and all the kids get up, and they're like, somebody's at the door with puppies. I'm like, who could, who could it be, right? 
And Dalton comes in and my thought was when my wife starts playing with these puppies, my thought was when my wife starts playing with these puppies, who can say no to a puppy, right? This, and so she's playing with them and she's loving on them. And I'm like, oh, Lord, you're softening her heart, right? Like it was a good moment. And then Dawn's like, so what do you think? And I was like, yeah, let's talk later, right? Kind of a thing. And so he picks him up and he takes him out. And she's like, see you, Dalton. And the door closes and she goes, don't you ever. <laughs> don't you ever do that to me again. And so, so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm like, babe, so what, truly, what do you think though? And she's like, Aaron, you know how I feel about these hunting dogs. She goes, you need to check into obedience school. You need to do, 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 do. And she's going through all this stuff. I'm like, I will do it. I'll do it all. I'm like a giddy kid, right? And so I'll do it all, I'll do it all. And so I spend like a week and I'm, I'm researching and I'm like, this is what they're, you know, da, da, da. we've always had German short hairs. I'm like, this is what they're, you know, good at. And, and so I come back and it's that Monday before Christmas. So Christmas Eve's Tuesday, it's Monday. And, and I left the house and she's like, okay, last thing, check on this. And so I did some research on it. And the whole time I'm thinking, I've broke her. Like she's gonna say yes, she's gonna say yes. And then out of the blue, out of the blue, she sends me a text and she says, Aaron, I just don't think this is the right season. I'm a hard no. I'm a hard no. I, I don't think this is the right season. I'm going to be subbing. The kids are going back to school. You're constantly busy. He'll become my dog. Yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, yikes. Didn't see that coming. I literally texted that to her. Didn't see that coming. I thought like we were, I thought we were there. I thought we were kind of on the same page. She's like, you know, I, I don't feel a, a solid yes and so because I don't feel a solid, I don't think it's the Lord, you know, again, pastors say, I don't think it's the Lord. I'm like, mm, what if I feel like it's the Lord, right? And so I sent her a message back and I was like, babe, look, I'm not going to manipulate like I did before. Like, um, if, you, if you can't say yes, then, then, then I, I'm not going to try to change your mind because if you don't say yes um, and it's just what I want, the first time it chews on something, you're going to kick me out of the house kind of a thing, Right. And so it's got to be our dog together. And so I was like, okay, fine. But we were supposed to have Christmas as a family that night since Christmas Eve was here. And, and we were supposed to have Christmas. And so I was just a poopy pants all day, all day. She's calling me. She's like, are you ready for Christmas? I'm like, whatever. I'll be home at four. Like, whatever. Right? So I come in. The kids are all giddy. They're excited. Christmas trees are, the Christmas tree has the presents all under it. She's got, I'm just a terrible attitude, just terrible attitude. And she's like, are you ready for Christmas? I was like, yeah, like, let's do Christmas, right? And she's like, oh, you're going to ruin tonight. You're a poopy pants, you know, kind of a thing. And, and so I'm literally, what I was trying to do is like, I, I didn't want to say that I was upset, but I wanted her to know, amen? Like I wanted her to see it visibly, but if she asked me, I'm like, no, I'm good. Things are good. Yay, Jesus, right? And so, so I'm just like the whole night, I'm just like Ugh, wrecked in my heart. And, and, and I, I, I sit down on the couch and she's giving the presents out. And she's like, I got a present for you. I'm like, I told you not to get me a gift. Thank you. You know, and she's like, Ugh, your attitude. I'm like, you know, I'm just, oh, I'm just bad. And then at 8.30 rolls around, 8.30 rolls, we get a knock on the door. And she goes, oh, my parents, they said they sent something, FedEx. It was going to arrive late. I'll go get it. I guess it's supposed to be for us. And she goes and opens the door and she says, Aaron, it's this big box. Will you come help me get it? And I'm like, no, I will not help you get it. You didn't get my dog. And, uh, but I didn't say that out loud. I felt it in my heart. So I'm just open window. That's how I feel. I get up, I go to the door, open the door. And out of this box, this puppy head sticks out. I know. And my wife 
which is really not her character to, to do that. My wife surprised me by talking with Dalton, setting this whole thing up. And I had two responses. Yes, amen to her. I had two responses in that moment. One, I was like, I got my puppy. I'm 40 and I'm giddy, right? And my other response was, I was a jerk face. And so I want you to know, like, there was, there was two responses in that moment. I'm like, baby, come here. I'm so sorry. You're so awesome. And, you know, whatever, right? And, and I want you to know that in that moment, because I didn't get what I wanted in the moment, I was already giving up. I was done. Like, she ain't going to do it. She ain't going to move. Not budging her. And I really feel like in our prayer life, we do the same thing with the Lord. We've got this anticipation and we plead and we beg, we plead and we beg. We say, God, please, will you move? Will you do this? Will you do this? Will you do this? And when God doesn't answer it in our timing, we just sign him off. You're not going to do it. You don't answer prayer. You don't really like me. I want you because I want salvation, but I really don't think you're invested in my life. And so this is why it's important to know that when we're anticipating something, we're praying for something, we're seeking the Lord out on something, that just because it doesn't happen in our timing doesn't mean God doesn't hear you. This is why fasting partnered with prayer is us digging in and saying, God, look, I want this. I want breakthrough. I want you to move. Father, we want to know you more. We want more of your presence. And, and I want you to know what I believe that does is it takes that hardness of our hearts where sometimes God doesn't move in the exact timing that we want him to or in the way that we want him to. It takes that hardness. It breaks that hardness up to where the only thing that we desire is him. And you partner, the only desire that we have is him with the anticipation of what we want him to do or how we desire him to move, and God loves to move. That's why fasting and prayer is so big. All through the scriptures you read, all through the scriptures you read about fasting and about prayer. Fasting is this discipline from something that you run. Fasting is a discipline of abstaining from something that we typically run to. Fasting is a discipline of abstaining, not having that in our life of something that we typically run to. And we do it for a period of time so that we heighten our hunger for God. My wife sent me a great quote the other day in a book that she's reading on fasting. And it says, how do you know what to fast from? And the quote was, what do I run to for comfort and reward? That's what I should fast from. So if my reward, if my comfort is that I get, get a set at home and just veg out in front of the TV for three hours, I'm gonna fast from TV. If my comfort and my reward is that I just get to fill my stomach, I just eat, 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 I'm gonna fast from food. If my comfort and my reward is that I'm constantly on social media, I gotta know what people are doing, I gotta know what people are saying, then I'm fasting from social media. What is it that you see as a comfort for you or as a reward for you? And whatever that may be, that may be the thing that you're gonna put down here in a few minutes on your card to say, I commit to fast from that. And then once you put that down, what you're saying is, I'm taking that out of my life for 21 days, but I'm not just taking something out of my life, I'm adding something into my life. I'm taking out TV, I'm taking out skipping a meal a day, I'm taking out skipping two meals a day, whatever it may be, but I'm adding in, in those moments where I would watch TV, in those moments where I'd be eating a meal, I'm adding in the fact that I'm seeking out the presence of God. And when that urge comes over me, when that desire comes over me to say, oh man, I just really want to watch the TV. Just really want to, just really want to eat. I just really want to whatever. And that moment of hungering for whatever it is, that desire, whatever it is, I go, but I want you more, Jesus. 
I'm anticipating that you want to do something. Fasting's a big deal. So, so real quickly, as we gear up for, for this new year, and I've seen it all over Facebook, a popular scripture that, that's always kind of put out there is the Isaiah 43, 14. God says, I'm gonna do something new, yada, yada, yada. And so, uh, but, and I've read it a thousand times. This year though, for whatever reason, as a staff, we've been praying, as a prayer team, we've been praying, and God is stirring our hearts going, 2020, man, get ready. 2020, get ready. 2020. I'm not saying that 2020 is different than 2019. I'm not saying that 2020 isn't going to be different than 2021. But I know, listen to me, according to God's word, I know that each and every year God builds on his promises. Because he's building on his promises for one day his triumphal return. So I believe with everything in me, if nothing else, this is a strategic year to build on the promises of God. So, so as we've been praying through this and pressing in and praying for breakthrough and we're saying, God, would 2020 be a year of breakthrough? Would 2020 be a year where prodigals come home? Listen to me, church. If you've got prodigals in your family, prodigals, friends who one time encountered the Lord and left the Lord, I believe this is a year that God's going to call the prodigals home. They're going to be tired of eating out of pig slop and they're going to be coming home to the Father's house. And so we're praying for these things. We're saying, Father, do this. Build deeper roots within us. Get our faith to such a place that we go into 2020 fearless. Somebody say fearless. fearless. Man, we've been praying fearless this year. I don't care what people think. I don't care what people say. I don't care what people think is impossible. My God can do all things. We want this fearlessness. We've been praying for this. And so Isaiah 43, um, starting with verse 14, uh, Isaiah says, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee and their ships they're so proud of. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. I'm the Lord who opened up a way through the waters. So he's, he's basically saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna set you free from the Babylonian captivity. And then he starts to talk about who he is, what he's done. I am the Lord who opened up a way through the waters. He's talking about the Red Sea, making a dry path for you through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt. I'm, uh, he's like, I'm the God who called them forth all their chariots, all their horses. I drew them beneath the waves. They drowned. Their lives were snuffed out like a smoldering candlestick. He's like, I'm the God who can do all things. There's nothing that's too impossible for me. I'm a God that's a big deal. This is what he's telling the people. But look what he says after this. Verse 18, but, somebody say forget. Forget all that. Like, are you kidding me, God? All through scripture, like, remember when you did, remember when you did, remember when you did. Now, all of a sudden, in Isaiah 43, you're saying, forget all that. Listen to what he says. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Come on, amen? It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new. <laughs> if God's going to do something new, we better get ready. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry west wasteland. The wild animals in the fields will thank me, the jackals, the owls too, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. Now look what he says. I have made Israel for myself and they will someday honor me before the whole world. God's going, you think that I did things in the past? Wait until you see what I'm getting ready to do something new. And he's prophetically talking about Jesus coming. Later on in Isaiah, he's going to talk about the coming Messiah. So he's setting up this thing of going, you want to know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come myself. And when I come, I will set all things new. 
So he is going to do something new. But listen to what he says, and this has been a big deal. So we say yes and amen. Thank you for parting the Red Seas. Thank you for the miraculous things you've done. Thank you for who you've made us to be as a family, even here at Reliance. Thank you, yes and amen to all those things. But come on, God, we're ready. We're ready. And so I want you to see something here, though. I don't know what it is lately, but all through the scripture we've been studying lately more and more and more about God's word. And it just kind of seems like over and over and over there's this theme where God, when he wants to meet with someone, he leads them into the wilderness. God is leading us into the wilderness. And it's like, I will lead you into the wilderness and there you will learn to trust me. I will lead you into the wilderness and there you will learn to trust me. And, and, and then what we'll see, at least here in this scripture, is he says, once you're in the wilderness, he says, then I'll turn the wilderness into a dwelling place. Look what he says in, in verse, what is it, eight, 19. He says, I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. He's like, I'm gonna take your wilderness experience. I'm gonna take your, your experience of feeling like you're in a dry wasteland and I'm gonna start creating rivers in that place. As you put your trust in me, as you desire me, as you seek my face in that place of struggle, in that place of, uh, uh, of discontentment, in that place of isolation, as you seek me, I'll give you fresh rivers to that place. But, but remember what he said at the end here. He says, so that someday you will honor me before the whole world. Do you want to know when I honor God the most? When I'm in that dry desert place and I feel like I'm all alone and I feel like, man, it's, I'm wasting away and then the Lord comes in and he meets with me. That's when something happens in my heart. I'm like, man, it's been the most brutal season of my life, but God met me. God met me. God met me. Do you know that, that very rarely when I'm in my green pastures and I'm just jumping around with my new puppy, right, right, right? like very rarely am I going, yay, God. Why? Because I feel like it's all put together. But when I'm in that wilderness, that dry wasteland moment, and I'm crying out to God, and a fresh river comes through, and whatever that looks like, something comes through and begins to refresh my heart once again, that's when I'm like, I'm telling everybody about this. So God's saying this, I will do these things someday, someday, so they will someday honor me before the whole world. He's going to do something new so that we will honor him. I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss out on what God desires to do. I don't want to miss out on what God is speaking to our heart. So the whole reason that we're fasting and we're praying and we're going into the season of fasting and praying, I need you to hear this, is so that it comes down to us putting our faith and our trust in him and listening to his voice for our life. We want to recenter our hearts by this discipline of fasting and praying. We want to see breakthrough. We want to see God move. We want to hear his voice. We were sitting in our prayer meeting on Thursday morning. We were praying this scripture. And I just, I got this picture, man, of, 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 of taking a shovel and sticking it into the ground. The ground was too hard. So you stick it to the ground. And the minute that we popped up the hard ground, like this, this spring, like a freshwater spring just started bubbling up. And do you know what happens when a freshwater spring bubbles up? It doesn't stop. It just keeps going. So there's, the hard ground is over it, but once you pop up that hard soil, it just keeps coming up. And so then all of a sudden, I don't know why, but the Lord has a sense of humor. Then he took me to the Beverly Hillbillies. Amen? Anybody ever watch Beverly Hillbillies? You remember when Jed was out shooting up some food and up from the ground came a bubbling crude oil, that is. Texas, te okay. Un <laughs> you, you, you kids, educate yourself. Good night. Do you even love Jesus? All right. Underneath his ground, 
He's out shooting out hunt underneath his ground. They were poorer than poor, and yet underneath the ground, this hard ground, it just took something to penetrate that soil for something that was worth it all to be underneath there that bubbled up. And I feel like in our life with Jesus, sometimes he's like, look, fasting is going to break up the hard ground in your life so that you'll see the infinite value of who you have in your life. You'll see the infinite value begin to bubble up in your life. Church, I, I, this is why I believe this is such a strategic time for Psalm 107.9 says, for he, God, satisfies, somebody say satisfies, the thirsty and fills, somebody say fills, the hungry with good things. He satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. Why are we fasting? Why are we cutting? For some, you're going to do food. For some, you're going to do media. For some, you're going to do TV. Whatever this reward, comfort thing is, why are we cutting that out of our life? Because we know that what God will replace in that is something good. All through the scripture, we read about fasting. And I really feel like you'll see two things that happen with fasting, what fasting creates. Fasting creates a longing, and fasting creates a launching. It creates a longing in our heart and a launching into our destiny. Listen to how I know this to be true because Jesus and Moses, I'll just use two examples for a minute. Jesus and Moses, both of them began fasting. Jesus, 40 days of fasting launched into his ministry. Moses, 40, fasted twice, 40 days of fasting. Moses goes up to the mountain. God launches his ministry with the 10 commandments. He comes down and gives people the Mosaic law. Both of these men launched into their ministries after 40 days of fasting. New Testament, uh, there's a gal named Anna in Luke chapter two. Anna, uh, her husband died at a young age. Anna finds herself fasting day and night into her 80s. And it says she never left the temple until the Lord would reveal the Messiah to her. So you see Mary and Joseph bring baby Jesus in and she sees the Messiah and she cries out in this voice of going, this is the day that I've longed for. So in, for, for, for Anna, there was this longing in her heart. I don't want to take my last breath until I see you, Jesus. There was a longing in her heart. For you and I, we need that longing in our heart. I want the longing in our heart of what we were just singing. Every time I meet with you, I want to tell you I love you. Here I am again, I'm going to tell you I love you. I want a longing in my heart every day of my life that I can declare, I love you, Jesus. I want that longing. I don't want it to ever go away. I don't want anybody to ever say, man, you're just a little too passionate for the Lord. I don't want that ever to happen to me. But in the same token, not only do I want that longing, but I want that launching. I want to fast and I want to pray, Jesus, what it is? What is it that you want me to do? And I want Jesus to launch us into the purpose and the destinies that he called us to. Do you believe that, church? You believe we have a destiny. We have a destiny individually. We have a destiny corporately to usher in the presence of God, to see revival and the redemption of this city. Amen? And I'm telling you, God has a plan that he wants to move in. So let me just say this real quickly so that you, you understand. Fasting is first and foremost for his presence. You're gonna pray for breakthrough. You're gonna pray for God to move. You're gonna pray for breakthrough. You're gonna pray for situations. You're gonna pray for marriage. You're gonna pray, whatever it is that you're gonna pray for. You're gonna fast. You're gonna believe. And listen, I think we should. We gotta ask. I'll talk about that here in just a minute. We're gonna pray for all of these things. But before all of those things happen, we first and foremost fast for his presence. Not for the miracle, for the miracle worker. Amen? So, so we're fasting for his presence. And at the end of the day, what we're saying is this. We don't wanna be a church that's just trying to give you more religious activity to do. 
Because fasting can become religious activity. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders in the New Testament, fasted for religious activity without the presence of God. And they got called out. And they got condemned. So we're praying and we're fasting not to give you more religious activity, but we're praying and fasting not to just add something more into your to-do list. We're praying and we're fasting that God would be recentered in our life and that everything in our life then would flow from him. It literally then becomes a heart issue. That's what we're praying and fasting for. Father, come in, wreck our heart because our heart has, an, has a, a divided attention, a divided loyalty where we're, like my heart is for TV. My heart is for this. My heart, this is where I find my comfort. And God's going, I, I don't want a divided heart. Would you find your comfort and your peace in me first and foremost? Jesus in Matthew 21, their, their question, what, what's the most important thing, Jesus? Pharisees, religious leaders are trying to question, what's the most important thing? Jesus in Matthew 21, he just reiterates, the most important thing is to love God. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what better way to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength than to give up the other things that we desire for a season of time? To show him, here I am again to say I love you. I don't love TV. I don't love food. I, don't, I like TV. I like food. I don't love social media. I like social media to show God that I have one loyalty of love, and that is to him. I was listening to Michael Miller share on something about David that I'd, I'd, I'd never caught out of 1 Chronicles 13. 1 Chronicles 13, verse 3, has something that's so defining in David's legacy as king over Israel. We read about David in this moment, and, and as, as a leader, he had something that was kind of the definitive mark in his leadership. You think about David, David defeating Goliath, David doing all these things, David, this great warrior, this great king, this great leader, David, a heart after, a heart after God. And yet, here's David, and basically in, in 1 Chronicles 13, verse 3, David's about to give the pinnacle of what's going to be definitive for him as a king. What people are going to look in his legacy and be like, man, that's that's what marked King David. And what it was was the Ark of the Covenant. In the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant housed the presence of God. So this is before the New Testament, before Jesus comes. The Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant is where the presence of God dwelled. And it was supposed to be, it was supposed to be in the temple or the tabernacle, in the center of it, in the Holy of Holies, in the center of the community, in the center of the city. The presence of God was supposed to be in the center. And everybody from around was supposed to come and worship the presence of God in the center. But if you read through the Old Testament, you'll see that the Ark of the Covenant was in this constant state of being moved from one place to another place, captured by the enemies. There was a time the Philistines had captured the Ark of the Covenant. They put it in this room with all their other gods. So all these other gods, these you know, images, these statues were laid before the Ark of the Covenant. They'd come in in the morning and the statues were broken at their knees and they had bowed down before the Ark of the Covenant. Yay God, amen? And literally, I was just praying with Lisa Walstead during, between service on this. I said, man, I'm praying that when the Ark of the Covenant comes in, into the center, back into the center of our life, all the idols that we've built up would break at the kneecaps. Amen? But anyways, listen to this. So he's, he's praying this, and, and he's like, he's getting ready to say something in, in verse 3. And so the Ark of the Covenant, it's been shifted around for 70 years. The Ark of the Covenant, like, set in these barns. It's, it's insane from what God had called them to do. And so David says... 
David in verse 1, 2 Chronicles 13, or 1 Chronicles 13, 1, David consulted with all of his officials, including the generals and captains of his army. Then he addressed the entire assembly of Israel as follows. If you approve, and if it is the will of the Lord our God, let us send messages to all the Israelites throughout the land, including the priests and the Levites in their towns and in their pasture lands. He's like, I want to issue a decree that every single Israelite is going to hear this. This is going to be definitive. Let us invite them to come and join us. Verse 3, it is time. Somebody say, it is time. It is time to bring back the ark of our God, the presence of our God, for we neglected it during the reign of King Saul. The whole assembly agreed to do this for the people could see that it was the right thing to do. David, in his heart, understood something that was happening to the kingdom. They were experiencing some successes, some failures here and there, some successes here and there. But at the end of the day, the one thing that they were called to do, love God, keep him in the center, this Ark of the Covenant presence of God was nowhere to be found in the center of where they lived. So David made a decree. If it is right to you and if it is the Lord's will, I want every single Israelite to know that we have neglected the ark of our God, the covenant, or the ark of the covenant of God where his presence is. So you could essentially say we have neglected God's presence and it is time to bring him back. And I feel like this is a message not just for David in his time, but I feel like this is a message for the church today. We have neglected the presence of God. We have great religious activity. Worship, thrive, and kids strive, you thrive. There's youth ministries that are just awesome, right? But we've got religious activity without the presence of God being the center of it all. And he's saying, it is time. Make a decree, make an issue. Tell the people, tell the bride of Christ, it is time to bring his presence back to the center. David is saying, listen up, no more. This society will be marked because God is the center of all things. I want you to know that I feel like for reliance, this is our definitive mark. Before all things, this is what I desire. Before all things, this is what our staff desires. Before all things, this is what our leadership desires. That the mark of this church isn't a full sanctuary. The mark of this church isn't a great worship team. The mark of this church isn't all these other things that we have going on. The mark of this church is this love affair with Jesus who's the center of it all. He's in the center of it all. We're not going to store him in barns. We're not going to shift him over here. We're not going to send him over here. We're not going to say, yeah, 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 over here for now, Lord. We're, we're plowing the way through something. And I'm just wondering if corporately, if we can just make that declaration that he's going to be in the center of it. But then individually, I'm wondering, is Jesus in our closets? Is, are we storing Jesus in the storeroom? Are we keeping Jesus in the garage? Or is Jesus the center of our families, the center of our life? Because I believe that this right here is going to be the mark of 2020. Where is Jesus located? <laughs> okay. Amen. Real quick, finish with this. So what we're doing when we're fasting is we're asking. The, the, the Lord, each year we go around as a staff, we say, what's a, a word the Lord has given you? Right, and, and we just, we kind of like hang on words of saying, Lord, are you speaking this word? And one of the things that I felt like uh, God had kind of spoken in my life, just kind of through other people, through reading, reading his word and whatnot, is the word ask. Everybody say ask. And 
Um, the, the reason is, is like there was a lot of things building up in my heart. Lord, I'd love to do this and this and this and this and this. I'd love to see this happen. And he says, we, you don't ever ask me. Like you just try to do it in your own strength and you wonder why it fails. You don't ask me. And, and then, you know, of course, he brings up that you don't have because you don't ask. And so I really felt like the Lord was saying, look, fasting is asking. But it's not just asking with words, it's asking with action. Fasting is saying a prayer, Lord, would you break through, Lord, would you, whatever, whatever, whatever we're praying for, Lord, would you, but it's not just asking with words, it's saying, oh, and I'm going to ask with my action too. What I was going to desire to do was to go veg out in front of the TV for three hours, but I want you to know I'm not going to do that. I'm asking with my words and my actions are going to line up. I'm going to desire you for the next three hours instead of that TV. Asking, fasting is asking, not just with words, but with action. Luke 11, I tell you, verse 9, I tell you, keep on asking, you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. To everyone who knocks, the door will be open. James 4, 2 through 3, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And when you do ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. And yet I got my puppy. Amen. Sometimes. <laughs> Love you. So I want to give you time. I'm, I'm going to cut some things short real quick. I, I want to give you time to do this. In, in your uh, chairs, we're going to do, if, if you have one of these, uh, if you don't have one of these, just raise your hand. Dan's in the back. He's going to pass these out. You need, you need a commitment card, and he'll just pass them down the aisle. And then you need one of these 21-day uh, fast guides. And so if you don't have one, just raise your hand. I want to work through this real quick with you. Um, the band's going to come up here and play. I want to give you about five minutes or so. Just pray together with family, by yourself, whatever. This is really, I feel like an individual thing right now. But I want you to take this commitment card. Why are we giving you a commitment card? Not because you're turning it in. Listen to me. You're not going to give us this card. This is your card. You're going to put it up in your bathroom, on, on your, your, your refrigerator, in your car, in your dash, whatever. This is your commitment card, not ours. You're going to say, I, Aaron Wallace, commit to praying and fasting from... You're gonna put whatever it is, a meal a day for 21 days, TV for 21 days, social media for 21 days, whatever it is that you run to for comfort, whatever it is that you run to for comfort, whatever it is that you run to for reward, you're gonna put that down, pray about it. If you can't fill it out today, take it home, that's okay. I don't wanna put pressure on you, pray about it because when you sign that, you're making commitments saying, Lord, instead of this, I'm gonna dig into you. Okay? And then you're going to hang on to that commitment card for 21 days. And then this little fasting guide is for you. Starting January 5th today, you're going to go through, you're going to read each one of these daily. It has everything from, you are good to me because. Why is God good to you? It's just a reminder of why you're fasting. Man, God is good. He's better. He fulfills me. He satisfies me. The next one is, what is the area of my life that you want to transform? Write that down. And so each day you're going to fill this out. It's a great little prayer guide. And then on the back, you'll see that the church is going to be open January 7th, January 16th, January 25th from certain times, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. And we're just going to open it up for you to come and pray, seek the Lord. Some of you that are going to fast from food or whatever, you're going to get hangry. Amen. And you're going to say, I got to get to the church because the Lord is dealing with me. And so we want to give you opportunity to come and pray and seek his face and all those kinds of things. Out there in the lobby, there's a little table set up. We don't have a lot of them. I'll have more of them next week and the week after that. 
but we're putting prayer guides out there, how to pray through scripture, how to pray through the Lord's prayer, um, how to pray for warfare, different things that you may take home as a reference. Again, if they're gone when you get out there, we'll make some more. But all of this, church, we're, we're joining other churches in Wichita. There's three or four or five other churches that are doing this together. We're believing that God says there's something new. We're believing that God is going to give you a longing in your heart for Him and give you a launching into your destiny. And so as you pray and fast, let's pray for that longing and that launching. Let me pray over you, then we're gonna sing, take some, take some time. There's pens, pens up here on the sides. If you need a pen, please take some time to do that. Instead of jetting out of here, let's just spend this time with the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would give us discernment on what it is that you're calling us to fast from individually so that corporately and individually, God, we see breakthrough. We see prodigals come home. God, we see the brokenhearted made whole. Father, we want to see you move. But more than anything, we just want to see you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So take some time. You don't have to stand. We're going to worship. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.